Welcome to the official Semester at Sea Wavelengths podcast. This is episode three, and I will be your host for this episode, Patrick Fennell, member of the Young Alumni Council and Spring 2014 alum. Every episode of the podcast, we hear interviews, stories, and other audible creations from students, alumni, and or staff. This episode, we'll hear a little poetry from one of my fellow voyagers, William DeSena. But first, Semester at Sea is a biannual study abroad program taking place during the fall and spring semesters where students get the opportunity to study abroad on a ship and where the world becomes your classroom. Semester at Sea is hosted by ISE, the Institute for Shipboard Education, a nonprofit based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Semester at Sea is made possible with support of listeners like you. Whether students, alumni, or neither, visit semesteratsea.org to get involved and find out more. You can also find Semester at Sea on any of your favorite social media platforms, Applications are currently open and accepted on a rolling basis. Donations are welcome and serve students the opportunity at experiences like you hear on this show. Now, today's first segment. My name is William DeSena, and this poem is called Begone. Midnight peaks waiting to be lit. Catching fire as the blood orange bleeds the horizon. My soul light, lifting like balloons yonder. And unexpected smiles flood these lands. From the tarp ceiling markets where the sun begs for an invitation while only a few dusty beams are accepted, to the waterlands where boats drift like time across endless space, carrying my memories forever and until. As the sun drowns behind these easy mountains, my love rises. Knowing as I leave this place, a piece of me stays. Goodbye to the midnight peaks that caught fire only hours ago. My inspiration for the poem was my trip to Begon through Semester at Sea. It was so foreign for me to see all these pagodas. The midnight peaks were the pagodas at night when it was still dark out and you're still waiting for the sunrise. When you look yonder, all you saw was darkness, but you saw these towering peaks and you're just waiting for them to be lit, to be lit by this sunrise. And when that sunrise broke the horizon, it was one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen in my life. And you know, you look to your left and you look to your right and you have all these new friends you've met. And it's like one of the best memories I'll always hold. 
and the air balloons rising, and one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen as well. With the unexpected smiles, Myanmar has already gone through so much, as everyone knows, in their past, and I think everyone, faculty and staff and kids, were all really surprised on how friendly the Burmese were. And I think it was really unexpected. I, I did think that everyone would be so happy and everyone was so willing to help you out. That was like one of the coolest experiences. For the tarped markets, I thought were gorgeous. You know, they were so dark, but we'd see beams of light coming through. We also took a sunset boat cruise, which was unbelievable. We got in this little kind of long looking like a fishing boat and it was such a nice time to unwind and think about all of what we did during the day, which was a lot of the temples. And so we got a time to reflect and talk to friends and you know have some peanuts and really just sit back and relax and cruise across glass water. All you saw was the sunset drifting behind these mountains. And then all of a sudden, right before the sun actually set, we pulled up to a little beach and we all got out and we got to experience sun setting behind these easy mountains with all these people that we've learned to love, friends and staff. It was just an amazing experience. And so that's where the waterlands, where boats drift like time across endless space, it really didn't feel real to me. You know, that time right there felt frozen. In this poem, I tried to freeze it in writing because you know, over time, memories become obscure and they're not really reality anymore. So through this poem, I tried to write down what I remember this SAS trip gave me. I'll forever be thankful because if it wasn't for the SAS trip, this poem would have not been created. I was able to write down my memories through poetry and for the rest of my life I'll be able to look at this and remember exactly how awesome that trip was. Since 1963, Semester at Sea has given over 73,000 individuals from 1,700 academic institutions, an unparalleled experience of visiting more than 60 countries across six of the seven continents. Semester at Sea serves undergraduate, gap year, and graduate students. Furthermore, the Lifelong Learner Program allows non-students to experience, explore, and learn alongside students. If you or someone you know wishes to apply or donate to this world-shifting experience, Please visit semesteratc.org for more information. Next up today, we will be hearing Professor John Boyer from his TEDx Semester at Sea speech in August of 2014, named Reinventing the Professor. Hope you enjoy. Anchors away here from Southampton, England. St. Petersburg, Russia. Hamburg, Germany. Yeah, yeah, just off the coast of Namibia. Great Saharan Desert. Are you learning anything about the world? I know I am. And I love it. It makes you feel alive. Woo! The purpose is so freaking awesome. Booyah! What about that? Yeah. 
And now here I am back in the good old U.S. of A. On this floating TEDx event, yes? To share a little bit about the story of that adventure that you saw in snippets, but more how that adventure uh, rejuvenated me, reduced me, nay, inspired me to reinvent myself as a professor, reinvent myself as an educator, reinvent myself as a learner. And that's a challenge I want to throw out to everyone in this room and everyone who ever hears this talk forever on planet Earth, because we must reduce everything. And if you know anything about me, what is it I want to reinvent? Well, I am wildly, crazily, insanely passionate about creating a global citizenry, about getting people thinking globally, about getting every single student across this great nation of ours to be prepared to be out in a global world because we are living in the end games of globalization, my friend, a key word we bandy about all the time, but what does it really mean? It means we're all connected now. We all recognize that this is, we're part of a global economy, right? We live when uh, you know, environmental issues are global, food sources are global, cultures are becoming global, legal law stuff's becoming global. And what are we doing to prepare our students to live and thrive and be successful in that global environment that they're gonna have to be in? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> or maybe really not that much. So what I've been passionate about is not just teaching people facts about stuff, not saying, here, learn all this stuff about the world. What I really want to do and will continue to do to my dying breath is to actually impassion people, get them excited and engaged with what's going on in the world, to inspire them to be lifelong learners and keep up with what's going on in the globe, because that is going to be the eventual measure of success for this generation of students, and I dare say our country. Now, what have I been doing uh, to fulfill this goal, this drive, this mission that I have? Well, I've been teaching for about a decade and a half at Virginia Tech. And I just teach this dinky little intro course called World Regions, General World Geography course. But I've done it with zest and with zeal. And I want to get people fired up. And I've used every mode and means of communication, new digital stuff, uh, graphic novels, comic books, podcasts, international news, created assignments and made people go out and see what's happening in the world and talk to each other and social media events that have brought in international people into the classroom. I'll do anything to get people juiced up and jived up about this class. And I think that I was doing pretty good. There was a pretty good measure of success by any way you looked at it because the class demand, the student demand for this class has grown over the last decade from 60 to 600 to 2,750 that we do every other semester. Live, 2,750 people in one classroom getting fired up about global events. And I gotta tell you, I'm pretty damn good, all right? <laughs> I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And then I got invited to come hang out on a boat. <laughs> it's not a boat, it's a ship. <laughs> and it's not just any ship, it's a floating college ship that we call Semester at Sea. And I gotta tell you, I'd never heard of it. I was pretty reserved. I'm like, what is this? It took a leap of faith. That was outside of my comfort zone. And that was the first step to reinventing myself. Because friends, I'm here to tell you, many of you already know this.
But putting 700 students and faculty from a diverse uh, background, uh, diverse uh, knowledge base, diverse specializations from all around the country and the globe and smashing them all together onto a vessel. I'm telling you, four months, four continents, 14 countries later was a cold splash in the face to this guy who thought he was doing it pretty well. And that's what made me re-examine what I was doing and is making me reinvent this professor so that I can do a lot more, a lot better. And I want to encourage all of you to do it as well. What am I talking about? How am I reinventing myself for my experience here? Well, first, I was bringing the classroom into the world for the first time for many, many, many moons. I hadn't really thought about it because I'm a pretty good lecturer and people kind of like the class, but getting people out into the real world is a real eye opener. Yes, there are field trips and anybody from any school can do them, do more of them. Because of course, when you get out into the field with people, the environment, the landscape is a character of the lesson itself. And some can be exceptionally powerful, like the dungeons of the slave coast of Ghana. Uh, some can be extremely enlightening. Uh, talking to, uh, with people about Nelson Mandela uh, on site in where he grew up, say in South Africa. But what is the real key here is that Talking with students in that environment, I have a better finger on the pulse of what they know, what they understand, and what their questions are. I had forgotten that education is about dialogue. It's about engagement. It's a tough thing to do when you're standing behind a podium in front of 3,000 people. And I got back to that base level of, oh, cool. Now I have a better touch of what they understand and what they know. And I knew this when the first person, we were doing a tour of the D-Day Omaha Beach a sentinel geographic point in human history. And someone said, Professor, why were the Russians invading France? I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> you come to that realization that, hey, wait a minute. Uh, these folks aren't on the same level as these folks used to be 20 years ago. And that's why I had to step back. Not to, I'm not suggesting anyone's any dumber. I'm saying we get older. And I've been teaching for a couple decades. And I just had to realize, oh, wait a minute. No one who's currently in college was alive for the Cold War. <laughs> They have no living memory of that. I need to recalibrate and readjust what I'm doing. But you know what was even more important than that was hanging out with people before and after class, dining with them, eating with them. And in that environment, you start to see much more important things than just the knowledge they have. It's how they are consuming media how they're communicating with each other. How are they doing their homework if they're doing their homework? All of these things are actually crucial for me, the instructor guy in the front, to kind of understand what's going on here with this generation. And I learned a wealth of things of what's going on with this generation during this experience that is making me recalibrate and reinvent the communications that I have. Because one of the other things that we're living through is the end game for the standard uh, old white, usually male college professor standing behind a podium talking to you for a couple hours while you sit there, wrapped with attention. <laughs> Those glory days are fading fast. And by the way, there's plenty of good old white dudes who lecture quite well behind a podium. I'm one of them, all right? But I'm losing this generation as well. We need to reevaluate and reinvent communication and engagement because that's what education is really all about. Two. I broadened my horizons, personal horizons and personal knowledge base, well beyond anything I could have imagined during this voyage. I actually feel sorry for the students because I gained about 10,000 times more than they did. 
on the ship, off the ship, stuff I had never talked about because everybody knows how schools are and how academia is at the university. And everybody's kind of quite siloed, right? Your college is uh, siloed within the university and your department is siloed within uh, that college and everybody is siloed in their department with their own little specialized research papers they do. And if any of them dare venture out from the ivory tower, they go to a conference to visit with 300 people who are studying the exact same thing they're studying. And I'm afraid that maybe that's happening to K through 12 a little bit as well, that people are specializing what they teach because you have a specialized test you need to teach too. And so we're becoming way too siloed on the planet and coming on semester at sea, maybe think, oh, wow, look at this. I just now I'm talking to all these different professors. None of them are from my major. And I learned a ton just hanging off the starboard side, talking to marine biologists about cool water currents and how they affect desert formation in Namibia, or hanging out with a business professor who taught me all about the, this is casual up in the lounge, just talking about container shipping and how it's revamped the entire world economy. And it's all very geographic. These are conversations I never would have had, ever would have had. And then you get out into the real world with all the stops that you take. And I go out of my way to talk to people in pubs and restaurants, taxi cab drivers, coal miners, whoever's in the way. I will start talking to them about, hey, what's going on in your country? What's going on here? Give me the finger on the pulse. One of the smartest dudes I've met in my entire life was an 80-year-old cab driver in Cape Town who had lived through, obviously, the entire era of Mandela. And from the street level could tell me everything that was going on. Of course, I can always tell you the good side of town versus the bad side of town. Good knowledge to have, too. That guy was worth a 1,000 academics. <laughs> So in this environment, I expanded myself personally, and we need to reinvent our contacts, reinvent our idea that everything must be specialized. Broaden it back up. Have those interactions and intersections. I learned a ton. Three. I used one and two and came up with three because I'm good like that, all right? <laughs> Number one, uh, uh, interaction with students. Number two, interaction in the world. Number three. I then brought the world back into the classroom like I had never done in the last 15 years. Meaning that I am not what we call a tenure track professor at the university. Uh, so I didn't have the leisure of having the sabbatical to take a year off paid to write a book that no one would read, all right? <laughs> in other words, I had to keep working for 11. And so while I was on this voyage, I was simultaneously teaching 2,000 students online back home. And the way that I was adding one and two to get three is I wanted, I was like, because I, I have never liked online classes. I'm like, oh, no, you can't get, get the interaction. You can't connect with them. You can't see what's going on. And so I was hesitant, but I think we've came across the magic formula right here on this vessel. Because what I did and what you saw a sample of in the first 90 seconds was that everywhere we went, I did multiple podcasts on the scene from wherever about whatever. It's all geography. It's all getting interaction and interest in the world. Yes. And put it up on YouTube and then told the 2,000 people, go watch this for your class. Then I'll give you a test on it. And typically when you give people assignments in classes, it's like, oh no, an assignment. Do I got to do this? Wah, wah, wah. I found this semester, people said, can you give us more of those? Can you do more of that? Really? You want more work? Yes. We want more work. That was awesome. What we think we might have stumbled across is, if it not the first, certainly the first biggest 
virtual study abroad because people were enraptured with it back home. 2,000 people stayed in the game and watched everything, and then they showed it to their friends in their dorm, and then they showed it to their family, and then they showed it to their grandparents who hit me up and said, you're cool. And I was like, thanks, Grandpa, all right? (laughs) We did all of that, okay? Reinventing the classroom itself, or at least the online classroom. And it's terribly exciting stuff. We live in terribly exciting times to be doing all of these great things, and we need to do way more. That's the point. Bringing it all back home. Oh, the nautical term. Let's sail the ship back to the home port for the wrap up. Given all that we can now do with technologies and with students and with interactions and in the digital world and connecting with people all over planet Earth, we got to do a lot, lot more. We have to reinvent the educational process. Okay. Now, am I suggesting to every K through 12 teacher and every college professor out there, oh, that you need to reinvent like I did. You all need to go on a boat. (laughs) You need to do more field trips. Uh, You should go on semester at sea. Well, the answer is yes, (laughs) it's totally cool and you won't regret it. But the, the real answer is no, no, no. I'm saying you need to reinvent yourself, you teachers and you learners, reinvent yourself for what you do for what your specialty is. You need to recalibrate. You need to step back every now and again and reinvent because there's so much going on now with technology. So much is changing. If you're still doing the same thing you were 10 years ago, you're done. There's no way you're connecting with this generation of learners, okay? So try something, try anything. Try is Skyping with people, political leaders, or just classrooms of kids in Korea. Uh, Try inviting in digitally. uh, Interview a hydraulic engineer in Beijing into your college hydraulics class. We now have the tools, and they're relatively free, to connect people all over planet Earth and share knowledge like never before in human existence. And we're just now touching the iceberg on all of this stuff. We all need to reinvent. And why? Because you need to stay not just in touch with the modern stuff. I want you to stay inspired and I want you to stay passionate because my main job as a professor is to instill inspiration in people to become lifelong learners. All the facts I teach them, they're going to forget that. If I've inspired them, they're going to go forever. And an uninspired professor is never going to inspire anybody. An unpassionate professor is never going to bring passion to anything. So step back, recalibrate, and reinvent whatever it is you do. And my final challenge is, we're all in this together. It's just not for professors or teachers. This is for students. This is for parents. This is for grandparents. This is for learners. And that should be everybody. Reinvent yourself on a periodic basis to help make a better educational system, to demand more from it, and make a better country and world. Because self-invention never stops. Party on. That is just about it for this week's show. To play us out today, we are going to be hearing from Cameron Beverly, Fall 2019 alum, and his song, The Semester at Sea Song. But first, special thank you to all the alumni and ISE Semester at Sea supporters we have heard from this week. And thank you 
for joining us this week. To any alumni, please reach out to the show. The content on this show is only possible with your help and your experiences. Once again, to apply, donate, or learn more, please visit semesteratsea.org. The Semester at Sea podcast will be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening this week. Until then, sailing off. This is the captain speaking. Attention ships company, attention ships company. For exercise, for exercise, for exercise. Hello, follow me to a new reality where you'll learn your worth sailing the earth on semester at sea. Here we go, off you trot, all we ask is all you've gotten. If you're willing for the thrilling, you'll learn more than you'd have thought. You'll go from Ecuador to Spain, it's a broad worldwide campaign. You're in Croatia, blink it's Asia, it's all a bit much to explain. Give life to your textbooks, join our learning spree. All aboard semester at sea. It's not a boat, it's a ship, but that's just words, it's still a trip. And don't say cruise or else you'll lose the mercy of Dean John Timmits. Go make mistakes, I'll understand. Go make funny stories, firsthand and somewhere new. If Larks and Sue, well, that's surprisingly on brand. Give life to your textbooks, join our learning spree. All aboard semester at sea. S-E-M-E-E-S-T-R-A-T-S-E-A S-E-M-E-E-S-T-R-A-T-S-E-A And if you don't think that you can say those letters, that's okay But it'll be funny if you try anyway S-E-M-E-E-S-T-R-A-T-S-E-A Dr. Phil Good Harry Excellent the classes help you well prepare, the studies help you be aware, you'll study fauna in West Ghana, and next thing you know you're there. Explore a crypt, find a ballet, just go in groups, okay? It's all amazing and life-changing, and all that was just Tuesday. We've been off sailing since 1963, all aboard semester at sea.